Hello and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's Eye Critical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ashish Khanna. Today, I will be speaking with Alan J. Walkie, MDMSC, on the article, The Viral Infection and Respiratory Illness Universal Study, Virus, an International Registry of Coronavirus 2019-Related Critical Illness, published in Critical Care Explorations. To access the full article, please visit ccejournal.org. Dr. Walkie is Associate Professor at Boston University School of Medicine in the section of Pulmonary, Allergy, Sleep, and Critical Care in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Dr. Walkie. Uh, thank you, Dr. Khanna. Thanks so much for having me. At the outset, do you have any relevant disclosures to report to our audiences? I do not have any disclosures to report. All right. So we're going to talk about coronavirus today. And uh, I guess the whole world is talking about the coronavirus. We're in the middle of this pandemic, still pretty much a crisis situation, I would say. Systems still seem to be clinically overwhelmed. And most hospital systems would say that research bandwidth is relatively tight. In the middle of all of this, and you being a critical care physician yourself and being relatively busy clinically, what really made you do this? Uh, It's a great question. You know, I think it was quickly becoming apparent that COVID was to be an unprecedented event in modern history and that our critical care community would be especially affected uh, by this and faced with unique and profound challenges. I think along with the quick growth of COVID across the world, it was also quickly becoming apparent that anecdotal and opinion-based medicine was also proliferating along with the virus and that uh, we really needed uh, reliable data uh, urgently to inform our clinical decision-making for this new wave and surge of patients with COVID that we'd be seeing in our ICUs. And so the uh, SCCM Discovery Virus Registry was quickly assembled to bring data to COVID care. That's that's great. By the way, I really like how the name fits into virus. Uh, was that your brainchild as well? Uh, the name I can not claim credit for. That was uh, Dr. Rahul Kashyap, who is uh, the principal investigator of the registry uh, itself. And I believe he named the, uh, the registry. And also, I think Vishaka um, Kumar, also uh, a co PI on the study might have played a role in the name. Sure. So talking about your group of investigators, there's sort of a diverse background. And and yes, now you have a large family of all the enrolling ICUs and, and PIs and those institutions of which I can probably say I'm a part. But just the initial core group, um, it looks like Twitter and social media brought you together. Is that really true? It is true. Um, I think that SCCM Discovery Network was, um, which of which Dr. Kumar and Kashyap uh, play a large role, was mulling something about uh, having a COVID patient registry. I believe they say the date was around March 11th. Um, on March 15th, I, I sent a tweet out just 
random tweet that said, is anyone doing or thinking about doing a COVID registry? It would, you know, there's these, there are some great questions that we could answer with a registry. And I think within an hour of sending out that tweet, I received a, a response from Ogi Gayek at Mayo Clinic, um, who works with Dr. Kashyap, saying that uh, Rahul had uh, was interested in starting a registry. And I think within two hours, I had an email from uh, Dr. Kashyap. And within three hours, we were on the phone together discussing a plan. And uh, before the end of the day, and that was a Sunday, I remember, uh, we had a plan to move forward with the registry. Wow. Talk about lightning speed. All right. So that's all. That That is all a fabulous, fabulous story. In fact, uh, reading in your manuscript, starting the 11th of March, as you just said, the idea is conceived uh, or the tweet goes out. And the 31st of March, we're, we're enrolling and centers are already getting IRB approval. This is just uh this is just fabulous work congratulations once more well thank you i mean i think the irbs need to be given a lot of credit they really changed uh their workflow to make covid center projects a priority i believe my irb at boston university medical center approved our project within i think three or four days maybe after being submitted it might even have been sooner and um we spoke on the phone frequently to try to get the application ship shape to be um, to be approved, and, and they really worked very quickly and efficiently with me. And I know a lot of the other centers must have gone through the same thing to have their uh, projects approved so rapidly. We didn't have time to set up a central IRB for a project like this um, so quickly, so everyone needed to get IRB approval at their own center. That's a lot of work, especially during this time uh, of huge clinical loads. And so the IRBs need to be given a lot of credit. Right, right. So how is um, this data set different from the several other large uh, data sets that are being set up? I'm sure China has one. I'm sure the European Union has one. I'm sure other um, individual institutions have data sets. What is so different about this virus registry? Sure. I think the main difference from some of the other registries that are out there is that this registry is focused in the ICU. Um, So it's not the only ICU-focused registry in the world. I know that um, the the UK's ICNARC uh, database is ICU-focused as well, Um, but ours is also ICU-focused and, and perhaps uh, more broadly for across the world um, internationally. So our data collection is focused on ICU practices. So we collect lots of information about physiology um, and maybe a little bit less on uh, epidemiology than some other uh, data sets like World Health Organization would collect. You know, So we don't have... Uh, a lot of data collecting about um, patients' exposures or case tracking, for example. But we do have lots of information about things that I think ICU doctors would be interested in, like Apache scores and SOFA scores and the types of oxygen delivery devices that patients are getting and adjunctive therapies they might get in the ICU, proning, um, inhaled nitric oxide, inhaled uh, 
prostacycline, mechanical ventilation settings and uh, mechanical ventilation parameters. So things like that, that I think are fairly unique to this data set. Now that's interesting, Alan. Uh, you bring up a very important point. Yes, it is an ICU-centric registry, but you do realize that no two intensive care units um, uh, in, in a in a registry like this have the same threshold for admission of a COVID nineteen patient. So, in a resource limited environment, a very sick COVID nineteen patient might be sitting on the floor under some sort of intensive monitoring, whereas in a less resource um, uh, scarce environment, they might have the luxury of putting a relatively healthy COVID-19 patient in their intensive care unit, which will mean that there will be some sort of like um, heterogeneity to the uh, to what belongs in the ICU in this registry. Would you still want to keep this registry only limited to within the four walls of the ICU or also include data from patients, COVID-19 patients on the floor who are sicker though? That's a great point and something that I should probably clarify. The database is not only, so it is ICU focused in the type of data that we're collecting, but not ICU focused in geographically. So patients can be included uh, from anywhere in the hospital uh, we have. We would like to know if they're on the ward or in a intermediate care unit or step down unit or an ICU. But uh, patients do not have to be in an ICU to be included in the database. And how about patients who initially come in and are sort of under investigation? Then some will turn positive and some some will stay negative. Will will the blanket extend to these patients as well to see trajectories or just be limited to only those who are truly positive? That's also a great question. We are collecting data on the types of testing that patients are undergoing, the sites that are tested, the results of the tests, and we would like to keep patients in the database that are persons under investigation, even if they eventually test negative, they would still remain part of, of the database so that we can understand uh, the process of testing in many ways and, and uh, who seems to rule out or rule in and, and how their courses might differ. So what about short-term and long-term goals? Is this more of, uh, you know, trying to fit in some logistic uh, linear regression models and and develop some associations, or is there more to this than just uh, trying to do uh, regression models and associations? I would probably divide this into short, medium, and long-term goals. In the short term, we would really just like to collect as much high-quality, accurate, complete data into the registry as possible. In the medium term, we would like to start using the data. So there's a few ways that this data we think can be used. Uh, one is we hope uh, by in the next week or two to have our data dashboard uh, released. And what that it will be is basic descriptive data on uh, presented on the website for everyone to see about what's in the database, uh, how many patients, how many are on a ventilator, what's the average length of stay in the ICU, uh, things like that. Um, and then over time, as patients go through their course and we start to have uh, case 
case forms closed out, you know, patients are, are discharged from the hospital and data is not collected anymore. Uh, we would like to start to integrate some ca- comparative effectiveness analyses that run in the background of the database. And we're currently working on designing how we would do that. Um, but essentially, we we are want to try to have um, as real time as possible results presented from some of these comparisons of outcomes based on different treatments that and different practices that patients are, are getting in their different ICUs. And then in the long term, we think that the database can establish an infrastructure for rapid data collection, analysis, and dissemination that would allow nimble responses to future challenges. So this would include the established network of uh, healthcare centers that we have now from in the registry, and this is from around the world. I think over five continents are uh, contributing data. Um, we would like to develop a system where we can move more seamlessly from the work of uh, hand-collected uh, co- hand case report forms to automated upload from electronic medical records. And we're working with some large medical record uh, people to uh, try to better upload the data into the central registry. And we're also working on ways that we can try to develop peer-reviewed methods for these real-time analyses that might occur in the background. So the methods are peer-reviewed, but the results occur and appear to the public um, fairly quickly. Um, And so if the methods are vetted, we hope the results will be uh, similarly um, reliable. Um, And so those are sort of the the long-term goals are really that the hope that the work put into this will establish a longer-term infrastructure to um, improve the way that we collect and report observational data in the ICU. Very interesting. It almost seems to me that this is going to be a, a sort of a live platform where I almost envision that one day I would be able to just log in and see hey, how's my center doing compared to your center? Um, Just real-time play with the data and not just be limited to the traditional publication model where we see something published as a static publication that comes out of, you know, data that happened two two years ago. This is going to be live and in real time. So I guess the investigators who are part of this large family now will be very much involved in sort of you know, sharing this data versus it being limited to just a core group of people, correct? Correct. And and that brings up the, the last way that we hope the data will be used is um, for, and probably the most important way is that um, investigators will be able to apply. And we actually have the application on the website now to apply for the data uh, for, for their research questions and to use the use it. Uh, to ask important questions so that this will be uh, something that is a resource. The real big goal for this is that uh, this is a resource for the world to learn from. Yeah, certainly. I'm I'm just uh, licking my lips at the ideas of what all can be done with with data that is uh, so rich and, and, and hopefully very granular. And and that brings me to my next point. You know, when we talk about large ICU data sets and the one you actually mentioned in your manuscript is very relevant. It's the 
medical information mart for intensive care, the very familiar Mimic 3, which for years has just been our go-to ICU data set and a really good data set and close to 250 or 300 publications that have come out of Mimic 3. How do you envision virus to sort of be the next Mimic or or sort of work along with Mimic? Um, someday, hopefully, we will, you know, overcome COVID. Uh, I would hope and pray that uh, the virus broad skeletal, skeletal framework for ICU data collection can still remain in place. Is, is that correct? Yes, uh, and thank you for bringing up Mimic. I mean, Mimic has been a trailblazer and a groundbreaking resource of, of open source ICU data to uh, available for res- research and really uh, is an inspiration for this registry uh, to show us that it might be possible <laughs> to do something. Uh, and yes, I think the hope is that whatever infrastructures are created as part of the registry can then be used in ways similar to Mimic, the way that Mimic is used now. And, and we would be honored to, to partner with them in the, in the future if possible. Um, and I, But these are... Um, these are definitely the goals for us. Right, right. And and again, you know, probably you're still sort of feeling it out at, at this stage and sort of uh, it, this is a work in progress where you'll sort of see how all of this plays out and where this is finally headed because we would love to have, um, you know, not just a, you know, sort of a, just a, North American presence in virus, we would probably love to have a truly global uh, presence in, in virus. Is that, is that correct as well? That's correct. It is open for uh, people all over the world to upload data. And I know we have centers from, uh, from all over the world uploading data now. Um, I believe we have about... Um, more than 400 and more than 400 sites who have completed the initial intake. A um, hundred sites approximately have obtained IRB approval already. And um, within the four weeks or so since March 31st, when the registry was opened for data entry, we have more than 2000 uh, cases entered into the REDCap database. I'm guessing Alan, um, you're anticipating many thousands of patients. Can you put a final end to where you see this uh, this number going to? I I don't know. This is the answer. <laughs> the most truthful the most truthful answer. Um, I I don't know. I think you know. My guess is that probably we'll get a large bolus of cases entered actually when things start to settle down, when, you know, most of the people at the centers who are entering data are clinicians, and most of them are ICU clinicians who are working in the ICU. And I think as things maybe start to calm down, they will then be able to go back and start to upload data more readily. And we hope to um, be able to maybe get help for sites for data entry as well in the future, both by developing means of doing it automatically from their electronic health record and maybe also to find support for uh, research assistance and things like that to to try to upload data. So these are uh, other sort of medium term goals for us to 
get the data entered quickly. We know that uh, unfortunately, the patients are out there and there's um, millions, you know, or in, in the ICU, thousands. So um, we we want to have that information uploaded to the to the database, but I don't know what the number will be. So what would you have done differently? I mean, um, again, early days is yet, but... Um... You know, are, are you going to change plans? Have you sort of learned some lessons as you've built this and you built this remarkably quickly? Um, if you if you like when you go to bed at night, you take a deep breath and you're like, oh, this is fabulous. And I'm so glad I sent out that tweet. But would you do this differently if you had more time or what are some lessons learned? That's a good question. I think. Ideally, if we had a central IRB, it probably would have made things easier on everyone. To so, if we, if everyone could avoid doing their own IRB, that would have made things more efficient. But we've seen, as I said earlier, IRBs respond uh, really remarkably to this situation. Um, I'm sure that mistakes will make themselves known <laughs> as, we, <laughs> as we move along. Things have happened so rapidly and things have uh, been uh, rapidly um, developing that I I think we will learn quickly. Um, We have, you know, made edits to the case report forms that things that were not clear to people, uh, things that were, um, you know, things that people as they entered the data said, hey, this doesn't make any sense or what does this mean? And and so there's been a lot of quick edits to those because I think we didn't have time uh, in the early stages to uh, sort of put them, put the case report forms through uh, a rigorous vetting process, you know, where we started to enter the data and see we, we really, this was all happening simultaneous to the release of the database so I think definitely the luxury of time would make things go smoother, but we did not have the luxury of time. We thought that getting this uh, out as quickly as possible and to people as a resource would, was our pri- of primary importance. And um, am I reading this correctly when you say that there is a dashboard? Is Has that dashboard gone live now? It, uh, our hope is that it will go live uh, in one week, uh, so a week from Friday. Um, so May 8th, I believe, is, is the date that we think it will go live. I, I cannot say with 100% because um, things change, <laughs> but, but that's our goal. That's our hope is that the dashboard will be live soon. So with the dashboard going live, I could be a investigator sitting all the way in India and, you know, just log on to it and just see things in real time. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Um, The dashboard will be um, a work in progress early on. We would, we really just want to have the basic descriptive data about the registry appear on the dashboard. How many cases, um, how many have certain important interventions like mechanical ventilation or non-invasive ventilation, or how many patients are receiving some of the uh, treatments that people are talking about, like anticoagulation or biologics or antivirals. 
so count data. Uh, eventually, we would like the dashboard to develop in complexity to allow people to um, play with the data a little more, maybe do some basic um, sort of cross tabulations across uh, different fields. Um, finally, the hope is that we can develop uh, methods of data manipulation within all of the contributing sites so that they um, they can sort of explore their own data that they've uploaded in in an efficient way. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 truly fascinating and and very forward thinking. I, I must say, do I need to be a virus um, investigator to have access to this data set? Um, so, to for the dashboard, anyone should be able to um, see the the dashboard on the website um, and to apply for the database. We do not anticipate. So we think that uh, anyone can apply for, for use of the data. So essentially, just just like what Mimic does, that you apply and then you get, get access and then you clean it up and, and use it as, as you feel desirable to answer a question? That is the, that is the hope. Um, we're working out all, the, all of those details sort of on the fly of, of how this will all work. Um, this, you know, this will have to be done to to credit all of the probably thousands of people across the world who are working hard entering the data. Um, and we're working out the ways to, that people can get um, the credit for the work that they do as well um, for the data entry and participation. Wonderful. Again, uh, Dr. Walkie, uh, thank you uh, for everything that you're doing. And uh, you and I, know that this is a time where we're being tested to our limits of clinical and uh, academic uh, potential. And uh, just what you've produced based on an idea that comes to you and a tweet that you send out also shows the power of social media to connect us constructively and uh, I salute you and your team and the entire virus core investigators team for doing what you guys have done. This is phenomenal work. It'll bring the world together. And I am uh, hoping and praying that we're going to go from strength to strength. And, and really, this will be one of those things that one of the many positive things that comes out of um, very difficult times for the country and for the entire world. Uh, thank you. I mean, I one of the you asked what we would have done differently, and but one of the big lessons that I've learned and something that I will take out of this project forever is um, the huge spirit of collaboration and volunteerism seen in response to the registry and also the clinical care of, of patients. Um, it's been really inspiring. This is uh, everyone is doing this work for free in their spare time. And I'm uh, so thankful for all the work that people are doing uh, for the registry and also for their patients with COVID. It's, it's really been inspiring. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Ashish Khanna. Ashish K. Khanna, MD, FCCP, FCCM, is a staff intensivist and anesthesiologist 
Associate Professor of Anesthesiology and Section Head for Research with the Department of Anesthesiology, Section on Critical Care Medicine at Wake Forest University School of Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, USA. Dr. Khanna is heavily involved in SCCM sections, committees, and task forces, and has received the SCCM Presidential Citation multiple times. He has written more than 80 peer-reviewed articles and two dozen book chapters, as well as editorials, non-peer-reviewed articles, and online educational videos. He has been invited to talk about his work at prestigious national and international forums. His research interests include prediction of postoperative respiratory and cardiac events on the wards, outcomes of hypotension in critically ill patients, and use of novel vasopressors in shock states in the ICU. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Contact a customer service representative at 847-827-6888 or visit sccm.org membership for more information. The iCritical Care podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion or endorsement on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, its officers, volunteers, or members, or that of the podcast commercial supporter.